This is the Business Storytelling Show with Christoph Trapp. Name a top 20 storytelling podcast and a top 5% podcast globally. Christoph chats with thought leaders and experts to share tips and tricks that can help you tell your company's stories better to drive business results. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, live streamed on major social media channels, and part of the DB&A television network, available on most U.S. television sets and streaming on Roku and Amazon Fire. Here's Christoph with today's episode. Let's go. Hey, business storytellers. It's Christoph Trapp, your host and author of Content Performance Culture. How is everyone doing today? Thanks for listening to another live stream recording, so to speak, of the Business Storytelling Podcast. And today we want to talk about social media branding and specifically why everybody should do that including executives yes 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 i know things are going well blah 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 you you know you don't need to do it today i've heard all the excuses but today we're not going to talk about excuses we're going to talk about why you want to do it how you do it and how do you move forward Uh, even if you get help it's not all on you necessarily but we'll dive into those topics so today's guest social media expert chantelle marcel uh you can follow her on twitter as well the link is in the show notes chantelle how's it going pretty good how are you living the dream as they say (laughs) just gotta figure out whose dream it is right um So you and I connected on social media. I don't remember if I, I think I heard you on somebody else's podcast, perhaps. Was that the case? Something like that. Yeah, you reached out to me after uh, I was featured on uh, the Hardcore Marketing Show with Casey. Casey Cheshire, you guys should check him out. He a fantastic show, Hardcore Marketing Podcast, and, and he publishes, I don't know, three times a week, four times a week. Uh, a great show for sure. So why why is this topic so near and dear to your heart? I mean, certainly you've you've built a brand, uh, and, and I, I love your brand on on social. Uh, it says something like, "I worked in SaaS, and I'm still sassy today." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that I uh, probably pulled that from somebody else, but I thought it was cute. I thought it uh, fit what I was going after pretty well. We don't have to take ourselves so serious all the time, right? I mean, is that a big problem? Usually when it comes to um, executives, especially starting out on social media? Oh, absolutely. I've helped a number of executives manage their social media uh, brand and presence. And I find that they're often very concerned with sounding smart. Um, that's usually the request I get. Just make me sound smart. And I think that that's probably not where the focus should be for most executives. Um, you see other execs like uh, Elon Musk, <laughs> who just have very unique presence. Um, they don't seem afraid to show their personality. Richard Branson is another one. Um, there are a number of them that I follow right now who are just showing their personality and using that to I think tie back to their culture and the company culture that they're trying to build or, or bring people on board with their vision. So I would say definitely coming across as overly uh, stuffy or um, with a very maybe boring tone, it doesn't really work these days. What is it with all these people telling us they want to sound smart? I mean, are they not sounding smart already? They certainly <laughs> rose to a leadership role by, by knowing something, right? I mean, Right. And I think that 
that you don't have to try to sound smart. Usually just by sharing what you're doing, sharing your vision, what your aim is, what you're building, how you're building it, people really enjoy that that level of transparency where you're giving them firsthand the lessons that you're learning. So even if you're talking about failures that you've experienced or things that you wish you hadn't done, people enjoy hearing about that because it feels very relatable. It feels like they're getting direct knowledge from someone who is past where they're at right now, or maybe is, you know, where they're trying to get to. So I think that that really helps. And I, I mean, most, most executives, certainly they, they know something, otherwise they wouldn't have made it to that level. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. Uh, but, but it is a whole nother level of being public, right? I mean, think about us. You know, I'm sharing things on social all the time. Sometimes people mm -hmm. <clears throat> rip me apart because they don't like something. In fact, a couple of years ago, uh, I, I did the video, the you know, the, the mean tweets video, and I read the meanest mm -hmm. tweets that have been sent my way. Uh, and you kind of have to shrug it off. But um, how do how do people get started, especially when you're really busy? I mean, I know there's automation and I mean, I use Buffer and, you know, even my blog automatically pushes to my, my Twitter account and LinkedIn and whatnot. Uh, this podcast goes to uh, whatever it was, five channels, right? Automatically, I don't do anything other than push the buttons on the phone. But, but how do you get, but it still can take time, right, to get started. So how do you find the time or how do you move forward? I love that you just mentioned Buffer because it segues so well into something that I recently read. Um, when they were first building up their CEO, uh, I think he, over the course of like nine months, wrote something like 150 guest blog posts. Uh, he was making time to write one to two uh, posts or articles every single day. And the end result was that they ended up with over 100,000 users to their platform or something like that. Uh, and hopefully I'm quoting all of those numbers right, but uh, the general concept behind that is uh, something that I hope that viewers take away. If you make the time for it and you really are disciplined and just get started, you know, do write one thing a day, write a tweet a day and, and just build up from there. And eventually it'll become a habit for you. You'll start learning about uh, what form of content resonates, what topics um, are the right ones for your brand and for your audience. And you'll start seeing growth pretty quickly. And the, so the Buffer, Buffer CEO, did, did they write all the, the blog, blog posts themselves or did somebody else write them? It sounded like they yeah. did it themselves. According to the story, according to the article that he um, published or the interview that I read, he wrote all of the blog posts himself. He's apparently a prolific writer and, I mean, it clearly benefited their brand. I, certainly, Buffer has a strong brand. I, I use them. I, mm -hmm. I think it's a fantastic tool. And, you know, here's the thing, Seth Godin. So Seth Godin, if you're watching on the live stream, will be on an episode November 3rd. So check that out. If you are uh, listening on the, the podcast channels, go back to November 3rd <laughs> uh, and, and his, uh, his podcast published. Now, uh, Seth made the comment... There's no such thing as writer's block. And I kind of agree with him. He, he says it's an excuse. Because if you know what you want to say, writing doesn't take very long. I mean, think about what we're doing, right? I mean, you're coming on the show. We discussed a topic. We, didn't, we did not have 15-hour 
meetings to plan this 30-minute show, right? We just talked a couple of times. Uh, we brainstormed for uh, like, uh, I don't know, a minute and a half maybe. And now we're just talking. And you, I mean, you, you can share stuff about the topic because you know the topic. Same thing with people writing. Don't be so afraid putting something down. Just put it down, right? Seth actually said something to the effect of he blogs every day. And there will be a blog post tomorrow. Not because it's his best blog post ever, but because tomorrow is tomorrow. Mm. I what love that. It's like a muscle. I mean, the more you write, the more easy the words will flow out of you. And a lot of times you have the thoughts in your mind already. You have the knowledge. So it's, it's just a matter of getting it down and, and out of your head and figuring out what format to put it into. Um, I find that posting on social media, so crafting a 1,300-character LinkedIn post or a 200-whatever-character tweet really helps me to um, test things out, test out what sounds best, what gets the most engagement. And then a lot of times I'll expand on those smaller micro bits of content into longer form pieces. So that it's really helped me to be active every day on on social media the other thing with social media and also ad campaigns i just launched a couple google ad campaigns and linkedin Mm -hmm. ad campaigns you know what else they teach you they teach you to get to the point and i mean so i thought social media was difficult right because you had 140 characters now you got (laughs) 280 but at the end of the day not on twitter maybe but the other channels the read more button shows up earlier and earlier quite frankly so you don't have 4,000 characters. You still have 100, right? And on, on Google Ads, you got like 30 characters. I mean, that is not very many characters. But anyway, so you learn what, used to, uh, what words to pick, you know, edit, edit like uh, your, your life depends on it, I guess. Yeah, I posted on LinkedIn and I had taken like the first sentence of some really classic novels. Um, and all of them were just so... Attention because sometimes they'll only give you a few words or a sentence and that's all you've got to, to keep them reading. Absolutely. I think we lost you there for a second. I don't know what happened. Um, so <laughs> you were posting on LinkedIn and then what? Um, I was posting about the first lines uh, of several classic novels. Um, and so each of them was just really gripping. It made you want to read the entire novel um, for example, 1984, or just a variety of different great novels where uh, right from the start, the author understands the the significance of grabbing people's attention and then keeping it throughout the entire novel. You don't have a lot of time to waste and, and waste on different flowery words when you're trying to compel someone to keep reading. So to get that attention and to keep people moving throughout the rest of the text, you want to be really to the point and and put some of the best stuff up at top, which also uh, ties in my background is in journalism. And a lot of times they'd be like, your lead has to be really strong. Uh, Mm -hmm. Back in the day, it used to be the inverted pyramid. It's changed a little bit with uh, digital format. But um, I think that the principle still still resonates today. 
Absolutely. I have zero tolerance for crap content, which of course, you, you know, is an acronym, right? Content really annoying to people. <laughs> um, but, but, you know, I, I mean, I really do because there's just so much content. I mean, whether it's podcasts or, you know, the latest thing on podcasts, especially that I've come to, uh, like if I have 10 podcasts to listen to, or I like to listen to them. And usually I'm not nitpicky when it comes to audio, but if I have 10 I want to listen to, and I have so much time, and the first one, the audio is bad, I'll move on to the second one. If the second mm -hmm. one, they don't get to the point, they're just talking and blah, 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 the first eight minutes are ads, I move on to the next one, right? So absolutely, I'm, I'm so with you. But how do, how do we get people to think about that? I mean, think about some of these um, uh, corporate news releases we see or corporate mm -hmm. emails. I mean, I'm just thinking about, I did see an email one time where a company was laying off a bunch of people and they didn't even talk about the layoff until like the third paragraph. And that is, do you know what I mean? And that's like the news. Yeah. Yeah, that's, you know, and it's weird that people write like that because we ourselves don't have a lot of time. Um, people's attention spans are getting so much shorter. I think if more people wrote the way that they would appreciate being written to, if you, you know, read what you've written aloud and you're finding that you're getting bored or, or zoning out, or if you read it to a friend or, you know, someone who's not necessarily directly tied to the content and they're just like spaced out very quickly, then that's mm -hmm. probably a good sign that you might want to rethink what you've written. Um, I think just reading stuff aloud helps you to um, realize some flaws in your writing a little bit more quickly. The other thing I like to do now, well, in this model here, the podcasts usually go first and then there's an article later. But the other thing you might do is read the articles as a podcast and then publish them mm -hmm. as a um, read article, which is a, a funny strategy because about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, people thought I was crazy when I mentioned that as a strategy. But, you know, today, uh, all kinds of companies do that. Even the New York Times does that. Every Sunday, they read a whole article. That's all. It's like a, an hour show on the uh, I think it's the New York Times, the Sunday read, you know, something like that. So why is it important that people are building a brand on social media? I mean, algorithms change, you know, people follow mm -hmm. less and less people on social media or, or whatever. Who, who knows what's next? Now we got TikTok, Instagram Reels. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're not asking CEOs to be, um, you know, doing doing the WAP on Instagram Reels, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd hope not, in fact. <laughs> right. Fingers um, crossed. <laughs> um, no, I mean, every channel isn't going to be right for every single person's brand. Mm -hmm. I think you've really got to look at things with a critical eye, especially considering that a lot of executives don't have a lot of time to create content, even if they want to. So you have to be really strategic with where you're publishing and um I think it's important to remember that at the end of the day, you need to be where your audience is. So figuring that out, where are the people that I'm trying to talk to uh, going to consume content and then targeting those and, and doubling down on those um, is really important. Uh, definitely not uh, doing TikTok dances or anything that doesn't tie in directly with your brand. I find that you really need to be focused, not just with content creation and business in general. You've got to have a focus. Everything has to 
relate back to the ultimate message that you're trying to push or, or the ultimate takeaways that you want people to have. So doing anything that deviates from that is probably detrimental. You should probably not waste your time on that. Everything should flow into uh, the brand that you're trying to build. And, and I can promise you're not going to see me on Instagram Reels dancing or see me dancing <laughs> everywhere. I have no rhythm, bad <laughs> knees, bad hips. So uh, not a good idea, whether it's brand related or not. Um, so I'll but, work on you about that one. We'll, we'll talk about that one. We'll, we'll work on it later. Send me some stretches. <laughs> um, so, but so I go to social media accounts all the time. So when I'm looking mm-hmm. up somebody or like the content marketing world just happened and there were some new speakers I hadn't heard of and I go to their social media accounts. Right. And, and sometimes that's LinkedIn. Sometimes that's Twitter. Uh, mm-hmm. Content marketing world actually links to the Twitter accounts quite a bit. Um, I don't usually go to their Facebook accounts, honestly. I got a love-hate relationship with Facebook, um, <laughs> for like I think like a lot of marketers. But yeah. you know, if when I go to an account and they're supposed to be like, let's say, a content expert or or an executive or whatever, and there's nothing on it. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen very many eggheads lately. I think they changed that, anyways. But um, at least they have a picture. Yeah. But but you want to look a certain way, right? Because they don't know. I might be a client. I might be, who knows? Maybe I want to be their next executive vice president or who knows what it might be, right? But I'm not just looking them up because I have nothing else to do. Right. You know, and people used to warn um, young professionals and, and college students, you really can't do whatever you want on social media because companies and recruiters will look into you and anything that you do uh, will reflect on your character and, and your viability as a candidate. So I think that executives and, and business professionals in general, anywhere in their career, need to keep that in mind. Um, you know, I heard a really good tip for LinkedIn was that you should make your headline fit in with whatever next step or next goal you have for your your career path. So if you're trying to, you know, be a CMO or whatever, you can put future CMO in training or or something like that. But um, I think that everything about your social media presence should be cohesive with the brand that you're trying to build. So if your ultimate goal is to be a CMO or, you know, work for a certain company, then you should start reflecting that in the visuals that you use and the language that you use and your bio. Everything has to fit neatly together and, and serve that ultimate purpose to help you get to the next step so the linkedin headline that's an interesting topic because linkedin i don't think agrees with my opinion on that so here's my linkedin headline which is completely uh uh, not relevant to any specific job so it never says vp of marketing at wherever or cmo at wherever it says top and you guys connect with me on linkedin ctrap.online forward slash linkedin it says top 14 content marketer, top 24 digital marketer, top 40 B2B marketer, Folio 100, author number one, new release, public relations, content performance culture, podcaster, implementer, strategist, creator. And I literally used every single character that LinkedIn gave me. <laughs> but, but I'm trying to bring across who I am, what I do, and I, it's more than just a specific role, right? It's here's what I do. And then some people I've seen, they put in there, uh, I help companies do X, Y, and Z. That's I like that strategy too. Um, and usually, like if they're really pushy salespeople, 
uh, I, I find it annoying, but if they're very mm -hmm. helpful when you talk with them, I think that's a good strategy. So it sounds like you agree with my strategy and uh, we're voting two to one against LinkedIn here. <laughs> yes, definitely. Because a lot of people aren't going to take the time to go to your profile and then look up your company. It's just too many clicks. So having that right there in the headline saves them some time and gives them a little bit of context. If you're adding them and they don't know you, um, that also helps because then they can uh, use that to decide whether or not they want to pursue a business relationship with you online. Absolutely. That's where people check you out, whether you know it or not. And mm -hmm. and I know I was kind of making fun of this before you came on when you were sitting in our comfortable green room uh, here on <laughs> Switcher Studio. Switcher Studio, by the way, uh, that's what we use to produce the show. Um, mm -hmm. Trap one, first month off if you want to give it a try. Uh, I'm, I'm a big, big fan, really am. Um, it makes it so much easier to all those different platforms and you produce, you get the little graphics going on. Um, but, you know, before you came on and before I, I pulled you out of your comfy couch in the green room, uh, <laughs> I made jokes that, oh, I don't have time and I, uh, business is going fine. We don't need any more business, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, you've probably heard that, too, right? People, they don't want to do it because uh, it's just going fine. I'm too busy. Business is going fine. But um, is it more of a long term strategy or how do we get people to think about it? Yeah, you know, it definitely is long term. And that's always kind of a debate that you have at the uh, C-suite level. Um, how much investment should you make in social media and personal branding? Um, how do you measure the payoff? Mm -hmm. uh, and I think that a lot of marketers now are, you know, making the case that not everything in marketing, especially when it comes to branding, is going to be quantifiable. It's not going to have a direct uh, ROI that you can immediately measure or tie back to revenue. But at the same time, the buyer journey has evolved so much now that you can't really even keep track of all the different touch points that, that are required before people convert or want to make a decision. There are so many different um, interactions that they're going to have with your brand and so many different channels um, that are going to play a role in, in building that relationship and building that trust uh, and it's hard to it's hard as a marketer to keep track of each one of those and then to build out this neat little one to one uh, funnel that you can actually track. So um, I think that people really need to realize that and think about that and make that decision. Uh, the touch points, I mean, depending who you want to listen to, I mean, it's anywhere between eight and thirty five, mm -hmm. you know, and, and depending on what the and especially in B2B. I mean, let me just remind everybody on here that in B2B, people are not sitting on their couch at home and say, hey, I need another baseball hat tonight <laughs> and order it. That is not B2B. That's B2C. And even there, mm -hmm. it's a little trickier, right? But in B2B, you got buying committees, you have long sales cycles, and people are checking you out. People are seeing who are who is this company, who is this person we're talking to. And if I'm sounding like, hey, look, I'm the big, I'm the the the, the big shot consultant here, but my social media accounts look like crap. Are you going to hire me? Probably not, right? <laughs> right. It's the same with the website. It's like the first thing that people see when they're trying to do business with you. It's not like they necessarily will see a brick and mortar storefront anymore. It's your digital presence. 
and and you gotta you gotta work on it. I mean, you know, the, the executive suite, the employees, really everybody. How do you feel about branded social media accounts? I mean, I've I've started early enough that it has truly never actually come up with any role I've had that they mm -hmm. wanted C-Trap underscore staymates, for example. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I see some of those, you know, like uh, the, the Hootsuite employees, I've seen some of those, Nick at Hootsuite or something like that. How do you feel about those? I mean, is that necessary or should people just have their own, you know, C-Trap or, uh, you, you know, whatever their name is without company in the name? Um, I think that brands should support employee advocacy <laughs> programs. Um, every brand should support their employees and, you know, teaching them about uh, the brand voice, what fits within the brand and what would be uh, more harmful as far as, you know, posting something that's just completely not aligned with the brand values. But I think that there should also be some flexibility to let people show their individuality and their personality. There are a number of brands that are doing that really well on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Um, I automatically think of uh, companies on LinkedIn like Gong, Sweetfish Media, Drift, Gravy. Um, they all have empowered their individual employees to use their voice in a way that reflects so well on the brand that people are like, wow, this this individual is so knowledgeable and just posting such great, useful content. I want to know what they do. And then eventually that leads back to researching the brand or going to the brand website. So it, it turns out to be a really successful um, strategy for uh, creating brand awareness and, and building relationships through the individuals in that human to human um, touch rather than trying to speak to people as a brand, which doesn't work as efficiently as, as you know, humans talking to other humans. You know, what's interesting about that comment too is about they go to the website, they check out what the company's doing, they might buy something from the company, is uh, when we did the podcast with um, Mickey Taylor. So Mickey is uh, the face behind the Adweek account. Have you seen that? A-D-W-E-A-K. Mm -hmm. And so I think it was one of the first truly public interviews he did. It was like the top performing episode for a long time. And he said that his business comes from that Twitter account. And I said, how? How is that possible? There's barely a website listed. You, don't barely, you barely have a call to action. Your tweets never have a call to action. <laughs> you know, he, he talks about funny things and, and whatever, but his writing is so on point. Mm -hmm. So, you know, brands actually take the extra step to, to go to the website and then reach him. And on the website, it's still not easy to reach him. Like the email is at the bottom, you know? So it's, it's not easy to do, but if you are presenting yourself well on social, people might take that extra step to connect with you because they truly honestly want to work with you. And aren't those the best clients? That's funny that you mentioned that account because I also noticed that account and thought that was hilarious and tried to find who was behind it as well. I think you you end up doing that with a lot of the brand accounts that are just so well well done. Um, there's one uh, good marketing HQ or good marketing examples, mm -hmm. and that's run by someone named Harry Dry on Twitter. I find that so beneficial. The person who runs the uh, RGA agency uh, Twitter account. Um, I've been a longtime fan of Archie Comics, so I was trying to figure out who was behind that uh, brand presence as well because they have a social media presence as well. So I, I think that good content 
um, from any account anywhere on social media lends itself to creating curiosity and making people want to get a better connection or a better idea of, of who's behind that. Yeah, it's just it's it's very, very interesting. Uh, so Drift, of course, we had their uh, VP of content on here as well. Uh, that's a conversational um, marketing platform that you can use uh, think chatbots on your website. Uh, do you remember any specifics of what those employees were talking about on, on social? I know you probably don't have them in front of you, uh, but uh, anything strikes out on the on the spot? Uh, no. You know what's funny? I um, I just was on their website because I was um, doing some research on how uh, web design trends are shifting to focus more on strong copy and strong messaging. And the Drift uh, website is a great example of that since they did their um, whole revenue acceleration um, pitch. And I think that might have been something that their employees were talking about, revenue acceleration and how they were going to start um, positioning more uh, as that, as the solution that's like the leader in that space. Um, I think that was the last thing that I, I saw from them. What's interesting about that too, strong content, of course, I'm a content guy also, you know, mm -hmm. do really everything in digital marketing. But uh, what drives me crazy, and we did have this on one show, I don't remember who, who, who talked about it with me. How can people design a website with lorem ipsum? How can I tell you if that's a good website or not? If I don't even know what it's going to say, if it just says mm -hmm. crap, who cares what the design looks like, right? Absolutely. Which is why I love this new trend because you see that big, bold, just copy. Yeah. And the, the focus is entirely on the copy and whether or not that's going to resonate and uh, achieve the goals that make people do what you want them to do. Is it going to make people convert or whatever? Is it going to give them an immediate understanding of what you do rather than having to click around and go to an about us page or whatever? Yeah. Uh, I love that trend now. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, on the other hand, it also shows that guys like me who, who build websites are getting <laughs> older because we can only read that big type. Ha <laughs> uh ha. -huh, right. Uh, so, Every once in a while, I I don't do I don't have um, any of my stuff goes through written uh, heaven in years. I did have something before way back when, um, but how do you feel about um, somebody helping the executives with their content, like ghostwriting it or or mm -hmm. publishing it or whatever? And my argument has always been that if you talk to me, Chantel, and you just interview me and you write down what I talk about. It's still my voice. You're just helping me, right? You're not making it mm -hmm. up. So in that model, in my opinion, it's authentic. Now, if I if you don't talk to me and I just say, hey, send me some tweets and you make them up and they have mm -hmm. nothing to do with what I even think about, I don't feel as good about that. But what's your opinion? Um, I I used to go straight for, <laughs> yeah. for different executives. So I have no problem with it because I know how hard it is to find that time to sit down and, and be as active as you need to be. So I think getting some support is completely reasonable. Mm -hmm. I do think what you said is completely spot on. It has to be your voice. It has to be your um, your knowledge because the person who's writing for you isn't going to know everything that's in your head. They're not going to have your experience. And I think that people would be, your audience would be missing out on your insight if you weren't to be providing that, that 
that push. Um, so I think yeah. you've got to be driving the strategy, even if you're not the one who ultimately edits it and makes it sound perfect or whatever, or post it even. Yeah. And, you know, I actually, uh, when I work with CEOs, I would go to their board meeting with them sometimes because I was the CMO and I was already there. And I would just, I would, as they're talking, I would just write down what they're talking yeah. about. And that, I mean, there's like a hundred tweets right there, right? Um, because, and they didn't even realize it because they were busy talking to the board. And then you have to run it by them because not everything mm-hmm. said in a board meeting should be public, but yeah. there's a lot of stuff that can be used. Yeah, I used to do that as well. Um, Internal meetings are a great source of of content. Um, Just listening to, especially with developing familiarity with how they speak. So you can also make it sound a little bit, you can infuse that personality there um, by picking up on little little quirks that everyone uh, uses when they speak and adding that into their social media um, copy. Just don't don't overdo it. I remember, so I grew up in Germany and, and I know my English is, perfect now haha or whatever but <laughs> but back in the day it wasn't right and i was quoted mm-hmm. so i played uh, division one football at iowa and um, uh, played for team europe back then and every once in a while uh, somebody would um, interview me and they sometimes took like when i skipped a word they like used it verbatim i'm like really mm-hmm. you couldn't have made me sound a little bit better there you go there's that again please make me sound better um, <laughs> fan- fantastic discussion chantel uh, I know we have your Twitter account already listed here in the show notes on the live streams. Uh, we were live mm-hmm. on five channels and we're still going on the podcast channel. So if whatever one you're listening on, make sure you subscribe to the other one as well so you can hear the different ones. We don't do live streams for every podcast episode because believe it or not, I have barely seen a camera I don't like. But it is a lot more work to be on camera than it is to just talk mm-hmm. on audio. <laughs> right, isn't it? I was a little nervous today, but no need to fine. No, no need to be nervous. You, you share great <laughs> insights. Where else can people find you and connect with you, and, and why might they look for you? Oh well, if they're looking for more content like what we've talked about today, I usually try to focus on marketing and just uh, what I'm going through and building my personal brand and building up my website and SEO and content and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and of course I have my website, uh, chantelmarcel.com. I'm on LinkedIn, uh, very active on Twitter. So any of those. Fantastic. Chantel, thanks for joining us and thanks for sharing all your insights today. Thank you so much. It was so much fun. You bet. Thanks everyone for listening and watching and, uh, until next time. That's a wrap. Thanks for tuning in. Please rate and review our show on your favorite podcast channels. And don't forget to share this episode with your networks. We appreciate you. Until next time, let the best stories win.